0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. As uh, I've listened to people talking and uh, watch the media, there seems to be quite a lot of confusion over gender theory, and um, and this can be quite a, a, an issue uh, for uh, for Christians. Indeed, it seems to be a growing issue in a number of uh, Western countries where. Um, you know, the education system and the government is embracing this gender theory. So I thought it would be good to have a look at uh, the science, the science behind uh, gender, and look at what's based on actual uh, scientific evidence and what is based on, you know, dreamed up theories and, and philosophies. And um, there was um, quite a good article on the Creation Ministries international website. So if you just Google uh, creation.com and um, the uh, title of the the, uh, article was uh, Sex, Abnormalities and Transgender. It was uh, written by uh, Dr. Dom Batten, um, a biologist, uh, University of um, Sydney, I think, who's trained PhD biologist. It's, uh, it looks at a, a number of these um, different um, uh, conditions that are, are out are out there. Um, and in particular, look at two uh, particular syndromes, the 46XY Swoyer and the 46XX de la Chapelle syndromes. Now, we generally know that humans have, you know, uh, the... Um, the uh, the chromosomes there um, and the difference between them, the male and female is that the um, female last chromosome is um, an XX chromosome with a female and an XY chromosome for a male and so they're the uh, differentiations. But that is the uh, genetic or chromosomal um Definition of, uh, of males and, and females. And so um, we find that um, um, a number of... There are people about uh, one in 20,000 births there are defects in, in sexual development. So they're, they're fairly rare. And uh, so let's just have a look at uh, these ones. So uh, for an XY Swoyer person... Uh, so that's um, a person who um, would, according to their chromosomes, be a male. So they're a male in karyotype. Um, and uh, the specific genes uh, that are normally involved on the X or Y chromosome, that and these are the chromosomes that are involved in conferring maleness in development, are either mutated or missing. Uh, for example, the SRY gene uh, on the Y chromosome. So, this results in the person having female sexual anatomy because this particular gene is missing. Um, and, uh, you know, more research is, needs to be done understanding the genetic uh, basis of all these cases. Um, and thus, it's not entirely correct to say that the this person has male chromosomes. Um, superficially, yes, uh, but not in detail, as the important parts that um, confer maleness um, uh, are, are missing. In other words, and as I said, so this person, just to clarify, they have the XY. Uh, chromosomes, the X and Y, which normally they would be considered a, a male on the basis of their chromosomes, their, their DNA, but their actual sex or sexual anatomy um, is female. Now, um, it's interesting that with this syndrome, um, even though they have the, the female reproductive parts physically... Um, the ovaries usually don't develop properly. And also there's no hormonal trigger at the onset of puberty and hence no periods. And it's usually at this point that the condition is is diagnosed and and noticed. So with regard to morality in this uh, sort of situation, a Sawyer person would be acting completely moral to behave as a woman. And, um, and, and, in fact, in times before the modern study of genetics, a soy person, for example, would have simply lived her life as a female. Um, uh, according to, you know, uh, Dr. Batten's article, um, it is possible for a soy female with a full uterus, uh, d- with full uterus development, to get pregnant with a donated egg and thus uh, bear a child. If we look at the, um, the opposite situation, uh, the reverse situation, which is the De La Chapelle syndrome, this is where the karyotype is um, XX. In other words, according to the uh, chromosomal genetics, um, they're uh, a female... But in 80% of cases, the SRY gene, uh, which is responsible for maleness, has inadvertently been transposed from the father's Y chromosome to an X chromosome during the production of sperm. Thus, while there's no clear Y chromosome present important parts of the Y chromosome that conferred maleness are now on one of the X chromosomes. So this person is a male anatomically, so they have male um, genitalia, even though uh, from the uh, chromosome and the DNA analysis, they're XX, they're a female. Um, in these cases, uh, particularly the, uh, the testes, uh, do not develop properly, uh, and that's probably the, the first uh, sign that uh, somebody has this um, uh, condition. Uh, it's interesting, some research into this syndrome was uh, published um, in July 2019 in the journal uh, Medicina, um, and uh, it um, came out on July 12, it's volume 55, number 7, and page um, 371. And it's interesting, what the researchers did was they did a systematic review of the studies of people um, with this um, XX female. So these are people who, from a chromosomal, from a DNA point of view, are females, uh, but they have the... Uh, male um, uh, genitalia, uh, they appear to to be a male. Uh, They reviewed 37 research papers that have been carried out um, and they found that, um, for example, uh, out of uh, the 14 uh, research papers that reported uh, testes volume, there were none that reported normal testes volume. So in other words, these people, uh, they don't have um, normal uh, development of the testes uh, there. However, they do have um, a normal penis size, they have pubic hair, uh, so 81%. had uh, normal penis size. They have, um, in uh, 90% of cases, normal erectile function. And it's interesting, 100% um, of those studies had normal libido. So um, this is uh, interesting. Now, when they looked at the uh, structure of these people, what happened was the... um, The sex-determining region Y, the SRY gene, was detected in 51 of 57 cases, and this gene was on the XP um, chromosome in 97% of the cases. In other words, there was this um, mutation occurring... um, on this particular gene. So, although they had the XX genes, XX um, chromosome rather, uh, the part of the male genes was transferred to the uh, that X chro- chromosome. So, again, in the situation of a De La Chapelle person, um, they unfortunately are infertile. But um, from a relationship perspective, um, they would be, you know, because they have the male reproductive system. Um, in the in the past, they would have lived their life as a male, and I guess uh, today, um, you know, that would um, would ap- apply. Um, these conditions are conditions that are there due to um, genetic defects that are there, so they're. Um, perhaps they have no, they their you know specific uh, situations there, and they uh, perhaps have nothing to do with some of the claims of transgenderism, where the person says I'm feeling like a female trapped in a male body. Um, in these uh, situations, uh, my understanding is, and, and also uh, Dr. Batten uh, writes this, that it is in the mind. And we need to look at there are other factors that affect the uh, perhaps the the mental development of uh, of sexuality. And um, these, uh, it was interesting that back in um, the journal Science on the 18th of January 1980, um, there was a paper published Maternal Stress alters plasma, testosterone in fetal males. And um, the abs- uh, what the researchers did was they, they studied um, the uh, fetuses, the male rat fetuses um, of stressed and controlled mothers at certain days after, uh, after conception and on the day of birth. And um, they noticed that there were variations in the, the levels of testosterone compared to the mothers that um, had been um, stressed um, and those who ha- had not been stressed. And one of the interesting things was that at, at a certain time, uh, a, a certain critical time. The mothers that had been stressed, the um, there was impaired masculine sexual behaviour in the male offspring of the stressed mothers, and research later showed that um, as the um, um, at a particular stage in the development of the of the male pups. Uh, the little testes begin to release testosterone, and this testosterone dissolves some of the connections between the right and left hemisphere, uh, which is uh, responsible for maleness and, and male behaviour. And it's interesting that alcohol, for example, as well, is another factor that um, does the um, the same thing. Um, in um, back in um, uh, the journal Neurotoxicology and Teratology, uh, which is a study of uh, birth defects, um, in Volume 13, Issue 3, May, June 1991, pages 267 to 269, uh, it looked at the sexual orientation of male rats prenatally exposed to ethanol. There was quite an interesting uh, paper, actually, that was uh, published Previous studies had shown that uh, prenatal alcohol exposure causes feminisation of the male offspring as evidenced by the display of female sexual response um, or lordosis when mounted by a stud male. Um, I'm just reading from the abstract here now and uh, they, so this is studies that have been previously reported. And so in this study, they examined whether or not femini- feminization induced by prenatal ethanol exposure also affected different aspects of sexually motivated behaviour, uh, namely the approach towards a receptive female normally displayed by, which is normally displayed by male rats. And so they described the experiment they uh, did and um, they performed the, um, um, uh, the experiments and the results showed that um, the, um, the ethanol-exposed males devoted um, as much time to the caged male as to the receptive female. Uh, normally, um, a male offspring... Um, say, in the control groups, would uh, spend 29% of of their time near a receptive female compared to only 13% near the male. So we can see that the ethanol-exposed males devoted much more time to the the other male rats. So... It's, um, yeah, there's just uh, interesting observations with, uh, and they go on to uh, conclude, these authors, the observations suggest that the feminisation induced in the male by such treatment is not only restricted to the display of lordotic reactions but also affects sexual orientation. There are other papers, of course, um, quite a number of papers uh, were published uh, or research was done. Of course, we need to remember that this work was done on uh, rats. Um, but um, in the journal Hormones and Behaviour, Volume 43, Issue 5, in Mail 2003, pages 531 to 539, they again talk about the fetal testosterone surge and the influence of, of alcohol uh, on this and um, how this uh, can affect um uh, different behavior another paper early human development this is an interesting one that was volume 82 issue 12 december 2006 pages 755 to 760 and they talk about fetal testosterone and sex differences um And the abstract um, talks about experiments in animals leave no doubt that androgens, that's including testosterone produced by the testes, in fetal or neonatal life, act on the brain to induce sex difference in neural structure and function. In this article, we argue that prenatal and neonatal testosterone exposure are strong candidates for having a causal role in sexual dimorphism in human behaviour, including social development. So we can see that there are these other factors that uh, come in that, that certainly confuse uh, the issue. But again, we know that alcohol is a teratogen, uh, the fetal alcohol syndrome, uh, particularly in terms of uh, facial features um, is, is well established and we can see now the harm um, that um, potentially alcohol can do if a mother uh, drinks, uh, particularly at the critical time of the development of the testes in uh, the male offspring, at least in, in uh, rats that's been demonstrated. Of course, we don't do the experiments like this uh, on uh, humans. Of course, there's um, a lot of uh, uh, work in, in this area uh, that is being done and, you know, it, it's very difficult to, um, you know, to sort of um, understand from, a, from a, a Christian point of view um, what the, um, you know, how Christians should relate to these. But we need to understand that these are either genetic defects or their defects caused by uh, environmental factors such as alcohol or stress. Um, and to me, it just emphasises the importance that taking care of our bodies and particularly our reproductive system is, is very, very important. Um, a, a book uh, that deals with uh, some of these gender issues... Uh, uh, came out uh, a few years ago by Gabriel Kubri. Now, she was the, uh, or D- Gabriel Kuby she was the niece of uh, Werner Heisenberg, interestingly enough, who's a Nobel Prize winner in physics, one of the founders of quantum mechanics. But her book is called The Global Sexual Revolution Destruction of Freedom in the Name of Freedom. And, um, she looks at uh, some of the, um, you know, the uh, the aspects of of what this is is doing. So when we when we look at these situation, we see that the actual genetic defects um, are fairly low, about one in twenty thousand, or we would estimate um, perhaps one in. Um, about um, 12 or 13 uh, well there's about you know uh, 1200 or 1300 uh, people in Australia including young people who uh, and young children who perhaps don't yet know that they have this uh, these uh, genetic defects are there and there's also the uh, environmental factors where people have um, have have caught in, in Interfered with the natural development through taking drugs such as, as alcohol and, and, um, or being in a very stressful situation. Of course, unfortunately, sometimes that can't be avoided, uh, stressful situations. But it's interesting, Gabriel Kuby Kubri wrote, um, the pioneer of the postmodern gender ideology is Jude Butler. Uh, She's a member of the – who is a member of the Rockefeller and Gungamheim Foundations and an honorary doctor of Swiss – of the Swiss University of Freiburg. And um, uh, Kuby writes that Butler wrote in her book uh, The Gender Trouble, Feminism and the Subversion of Identity, which came out in 1990. Um, And uh, this is a foundational work on gender theory. But uh, Kuby notes that if Butler's views had been expressed in simple words, they might have been dismissed as fanciful. But because she clouded her destructive ideas with highly philosophical terminology that was hard to understand, her ideas were accepted. Uh, These are Kuby's views, of course. In essence, Butler was saying that there was no such thing as men and women and that sex is a fantasy, we believe, because we are told it is so. Now, I think that's a pretty big claim, but that's um, essentially the basic claim that underpins this gender theory. I'll just read again. Butler was saying that there are no such thing as men and women and that sex is a fantasy, we believe, because we are told it is so. For Butler, identity is solely a function of a gender and sexual orientation chosen by the individual... And thus flexible, changeable, and diverse. The illusion—this is Butler's views again, as uh, interpreted by um, Kuby—the illusion of two sexes is created by incest taboo and the use of words like man and woman, and must be eliminated in favour of free self-invention. The concepts of man and woman, marriage and family, father, mother, sexuality and fertility, and of heterosexuality as a norm must be destroyed. So we can see that that is clearly an anti-biblical view, very, very clearly uh, an anti-biblical view. And um, it's it's interesting, a a research article was published, you can see it on creation.com, uh, so if you Google creation.com, there's an article uh, titled A Global Anti-Christian Totalitarian Threat. So we can see from some of these um, gender um, issues that it's really migrated away from from science to a whole view that wants to distort the the Christian and indeed indeed, traditionally most cultures view that you have men and women uh, based on uh, the reproductive organs that you're born with and this would be the basis of of marriage. Uh, A person with male reproductive organs marrying a person with female reproductive organs. And this would fit in with... The uh, biblical injunction as well. For example, Jesus, uh, when he answered uh, a question uh, from the Pharisees, as recorded in Matthew chapter 19, uh, verses 4 to 6, Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Another verse can be found in 1 Corinthians 6.13. And here, uh, Paul, uh, who again, the Apostle Paul was, we believe, inspired by God, he wrote, The body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own, you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. My understanding is uh, from those verses then that we choose to make a choice in life to, to honour God and uh, follow uh, his commandments or or we don't and this is we need to understand that in our society today so many people have been taught the theories of evolution and so forth that they don't believe that there is a god but we have overwhelming evidence that god does exist uh, from evolution from personal experiences and so forth as we've talked about many times in in this program so it's an important issue and if you um found um, the, today's talk helpful, particularly with the references, uh, feel free to um, put them up on your social media page, tell other people about them. It's indeed a, a very deep and, and personal and, and complicated uh, issue. But the bottom line is uh, for us all to know that there is a God who loves us and wants us to, to come to him. As Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, in other words, we choose to honour and, and obey him and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You've been listening to Faith and Science and, of course, to re-listen to these programs, just Google uh, 3ABN Australia, that's all one word, .org.au and click on the Listen button. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.